0: Walkers and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore podcast. This is Hobbs Q, uh, just introducing this week's episode. So, as people may know, this past week was Magic Con Minneapolis, and we had a panel with our dear friends Chase, uh, Mana Curves, and Kill and Fiend Potter, Michelle Rapp. Uh, so, Taya, myself, Alex, Chase, and Michelle talked about mental health as part of Mental Health Awareness Month. We revisited a topic we've talked about on the show before, uh, how I sparked basically a planeswalker journey and mental health recovery. So what we have for you all right now, we do have, we did, we're able to get recording. So this is audio recording from inside. Uh, Now this was just us being able to take the audio recording for basically very rudimentary um, recording equipment. And so some of the audio might be a little rough. There might be some sound kind of issues in terms of volume. We just wanted to get this out to people as soon as we could. We did also record video. We are hoping to find a way to do some production with both video and audio. There's also a video of the day. So Queen of Cardboard Beth was amazing and actually live streamed the panel for us. And with that also has the well, has the video of the day. We will also have that available. We want to just make sure that people are able to see this wherever they are. Uh, the panel went absolutely fantastically. I, I, I don't think I can say enough for the amount of work and effort that everybody on this panel put into this and just how smoothly and, and goblin lore-like episode it really went. We ran this as, as if it was one. So one thing we did not do during the panel is we did not give a shout-out to the Grinding Coffee Company. There was a time period you'll hear in the middle where I I almost did switch in. And, and also other panelists even joked that they almost made remarks about it. But we want to thank Grinding Coffee Company as we're coming up on our fifth anniversary, as we're coming up on mental health, we're in Mental Health Awareness Month. We just want to always give a shout out to them. They've just been so supportive and so great. And we love being able to offer their coffee at a discount and to be able to you know, partner with them on just giveaways and everything else. So sit back and, and we hope you enjoy the panel. Uh, once again, we know there are some audio issues. We just want it to be kind of the best experience that we could make it. So thank you and anybody that we didn't get a chance to see in Minneapolis, we were glad to have you in our town. Uh, we got to meet so many wonderful people and people that weren't able to come. We wanted to make sure there was something like this available because this panel was something that is for you all. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. So people may be coming in, but uh, we just wanna thank you all for being here. So this is a panel uh, we proposed called How I Sparked, a Mental Health Recovery Journey. So if people don't know us, we're basically the Goblin Lore podcast and friends. And by friends, I mean two people who have been on the show multiple times and are just such amazing, great guests and have a lot of background in this information. Our plan today is really to just kind of take you guys through discussion of planeswalkers. What is a planeswalker? What does sparking kind of mean? To use that as an analogy to talk about our own mental health recovery. And the concept, this is really a specific concept of recovery model for mental health. So we're going to be kind of going through that. We're going to do this. If people have ever listened to the show, we're actually running this basically as if we're running one of our shows. So we're going to start off doing our introductions. We have a burning inquiry where we actually are going to make everybody answer a very fun question. And we're going to then just get into kind of our oh. story.
1: do trigger warnings?
0: And yes, we do have content warnings that we are going to be talking about mental health. Uh, we all will be talking at least somewhat about some of our journeys, so there is potential for you know, anything from us across us to be talking substance use things that could be related to trauma, things that could be related to suicidal ideation. So we just want people to be very aware of that upfront. Um, so we do appreciate that and for you all being here. So to get started, we're going to give our names. We're going to start out. And our question is, what mundane way did you spark? We always like this kind of question to just start us off with, you know, not the cool stuff, not the, you know, like, I, I was partying on, then with Zenagos and I sparked. No, we want to know the mundane ways. So my name is Hobbs Q, or Thomas Quinlan, Dr. Thomas Quinlan. I decided to go full (laughs) professor mode today with you all. I have my bolus horns. I got my kiki-jiki. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, It can be found on Twitter, at Hobbs Q, or you can follow the cast at the Goblin Lore Pod. And my Monday way that I spark is basically I'm going to go with this very classic tripping over things that my kids have left around the house. (laughs) Like, we're not quite to the Lego stage yet, but there's just stuff everywhere. So my mundane way is basically I was mildly inconvenienced, barked my shin up against something, sparked and ended up somehow away from my family, which is really crappy. So, um, I'm going to pass it off and go down to our lovely friend, Chase.
2: Hello, everybody. Um, My name is Chase. Uh, I'm a content creator. Uh, but before I was a content creator, I uh, was trained to be a therapist. I have uh, a master's in social work. and did a lot of work with uh, trauma-informed therapy before I decided to play with cardboard squares. <laughs> <laughs> um, my pronouns are they, them, and if I had to say what caused my spark, it would be splitting a sleeve while I shuffle it
3: down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little too much now, and it's starting to really... No, I was gonna say, is it, do you have an extra one with you? No. Okay, that's why I want mean. to <laughs> So then you, you, you basically you can't even play anymore. No. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Taya.
4: Hey, uh, I'm Taya Steer. I'm at uh, Taya Transcends on Twitter. Uh, pronouns are she/her or they/them. Uh, and my mundaneest spark was, ooh, my back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, I, I think that's the oldest person on this. Panel, I, I can definitely say that that would be what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the,
0: the ones where you don't even know how it happened. It's yeah, not, you, it's you didn't just, sneeze. You I, just... I
4: stood up yeah. and Oh my
0: back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you want rabia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And I guess we're back around to me, I, I didn't mention, I, I make a lot of assumptions at times, and it's my brain jumping. I, I'm a clinical psychologist, so that is my primary kind of background. My, my, my life is I work with veterans. Um, I work at the VA here in Minneapolis. Uh, I am outing myself in some ways like nationally by doing this today because I have been under the moniker of Q, kind of separated from my name for a long time. But between this and some other just things I've been doing in the last year related to mental health, um, I've I've kind of let those lines blur. Uh, I will deal with it if it comes up that a veteran recognizes me as now somebody that does a podcast of magic, Uh, but I just felt that it's a very important thing. So that's a little bit of just who I am, I really didn't say. Hey, Alex. Hey, um, <laughs> Alex Newman
3: found on um, Twitter at mel underscore chronicler. My uh, pronouns are he/him, um, and I think my my mandated way to spark is, is definitely doing something in Excel. A lot of stuff I'm going on in work right now. I just I'm gonna just do a pivot table one day, and it's gonna be so smooth and perfect. I'm just gonna spark and go somewhere else. So I
0: love the fact that that's the, the spark of joy, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's
3: just, I, I figure that you know, get that sum equation or yeah. sum. Goofy thing that just does the perfect thing that I needed in yeah. the moment. Yeah, and then and gone. I'm gone.
0: And where do you think you would spark two at this point? Uh,
3: I'm afraid I would end up in a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't I been I think it's like Zarek, right? Yeah. Probably? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I, I was realizing, I think we didn't talk about planes, but I was like, I was realizing I'd probably end up on Segovia just because of, you know, being five foot four. I'd be the largest <laughs> goblin they have ever seen on I, Segovia. I, have I don't a, know if there are goblins. I opened on a
1: sword like. just for you last night. I know, yeah. the sword is so
0: cool. It's so great.
1: Um, hi, I'm Michelle Rapp. Um, I can be found yelling on the internet at Kiln Fiend Potter on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram where I do mostly art stuff, um, at kilnfiendpottery on Instagram. Um, I am here mostly because I've been through a lot of therapy and worked through a lot of things and find a lot of value in um, doing this work and talking about it and sharing the experience. Um, in terms of my spark, I would say um, opening my daughter's onesie, because <laughs> that happened. <laughs> I, I, she, she had made like a little poopy noise, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, oh, you're kind of stinky. Oh, you're it's so cute though. <laughs> oh, you're just, <laughs> just so happy. You're just so happy. Get down the changing table. Open that. I literally just recoil. I literally step back. My husband was passing through. He was like, "What happened? What happened? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up on Okrosa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could throw back the entire case. Is there planes that you may have ended up on? The back, the back one is what I
4: remember. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that would send me straight to Nastrova. <laughs> <laughs> I feel
2: like I feel like the anguish would just send me into the blind
0: eternities. <laughs> <laughs> Are things blowing up? or Okay, just wanting to make sure since we all know that's going on. So yeah, so welcome everybody. Again, we're very glad people coming in. We're, we're the Goblin Lore pod to friends, but I really do consider us to be the Goblin Lore pod, honestly. And uh, we're going to pass it over to kind of talk about what sparks are. So we're going to kind of go through a little bit of the history of sparks, kind of how they've been represented in magic. It's a really cool metaphysical concept joe Redman, who was the one who kind of started the goblin Lord pod with alex and i originally had written an article of this and we will be putting this up as uh, a show for this week and i will have links to a lot of this stuff in our show notes his article on sparks our previous episodes on sparks will be something that we're putting up as well as our mental health ones so we're gonna pass it off uh i don't know who wants to take off to start with but we're gonna talk about what sparks are because they're a very cool concept
4: sure i'll i'll start it so um, the idea is generally that sparks are something attached to the soul of, of a sapient creature that can, through some action, ignite and cause the person to become a planeswalker. Um, we just recently saw the, uh, kind of amending 2.0 where the nature of the spark changed, but we're going to focus more on the traditional aspect uh, for this talk. Um, because there are still talkers, uh, we don't know the ramifications of what has changed in the spark process at this point uh, so yeah there, there's basically part of the soul that occurs in a number of people that can be triggered some will never trigger and a lot of times this triggers because of trauma um, most of the cases we've seen have triggered this way uh, you know, we have, looking at some of the original planeswalkers, um, we have Jace triggering from wiping his own memory um, while fighting El and um, wiping his memory, and that's obviously very traumatic. Uh, that's the sort of thing that, you know, really screws a person up. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, a lot of, uh, and, and we'll talk about this kind of, we get to the recovery aspect, but planeswalkers need a lot of therapy. Yeah. Uh, we, we need we need more therapists for planeswalkers, and I think after the uh, parexian war, we're going to need even more therapy. So uh, if, if anybody wants to get into the therapy business in the multiverse, this would be a booming opportunity right now to uh, do it.
0: We will say Nuka Penna is covered. Fabine has got that stuff just <laughs> on lockdown. Yeah. she is very good. We, you know, they may have made some mob implications, like a Sopranos type thing, but no, we're good. So, Fabine, fabien has got Nuka Penna, So, beyond that,
4: yeah, there's a lot of openings right now for uh, mental health professionals across the multiverse. But yeah. at a high level, that's kind of what the spark is. And when you look at the lower, um, each Planeswalker has their unique story of how they spark. And you do have some positive cases like narset spark essentially by obtaining you know knowledge and enlightenment and learning about the nature of the multiverse through study and you and know we have
3: uh, like samut yeah uh sparked on like um uh, aminket from you know euphoria being blessed by uh the gods hazard thank you
0: yeah and we have xenogos who we were saying earlier this his party lifestyle actually led to him <laughs> sparking during like the giant party which is just one of i mean that's my one of my favorite but as Teo yeah. was saying, you know, trauma is usually what we've been dealing
3: with. Yeah, it is predominantly trauma in some way.
1: And and nothing better to deal with that trauma than immediately leaving <laughs> Right. <laughs> going to a completely different
0: world, isn't it? It's like such a, it's like that's the thing. It, it basically takes you away. Yes. Um, Teo yeah. is a very good example of that. From more recent, uh, mm-hmm. the story that will not be named, Teo mm-hmm. was at least part of that. Um, so we have to at least recognize. But you know, Teo just sparked because he was about to die. I mean. Uh, I believe that, so, yeah, Alex, yeah. anything on Sparks? I know we've talked a lot about yeah, this. So. Yeah,
3: I may mean, you know, like Tay mentioned, we had a very, very recent change to the nature of Sparks that we don't know a whole lot about now, but th- th- there, this did happen in the past, too. There was a large change with the mending from Time Spiral Block, where uh, initially the Planeswalkers with Sparks had access to, you know, godlike powers. Now it's more like they're normal people who can just go to other places, which tends to allow them to accumulate more power, but doesn't by its yeah. nature, make them more powerful godlike powers,
0: like so, somebody like, that like, may like, have wanted those back at some point. Yeah. We were gods once, Bolas. So, is the, they'll bring him out of mouthballs at some point, and probably be giddy. I will be so giddy. I don't yes. know. I, I like I said, I always go back to the, the the Twilight Zone episode with Bolas being like, there's finally time to read. And, and but to be fair, he may have broken <laughs> his glasses in the meditation route. <laughs> um, so that could be what gets him out of there is just like he can't read anymore because that's all he wanted, he wanted retirement. Right? That was the whole Is difficult ball. Is difficult
1: as farsighted or nearsighted? Ooh! I would say he's yeah. future sighted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that is the panel. Thank you for <laughs> coming. So, uh, Chase, anything on Sparks that you wanted to add or just kind of talk about?
2: Uh, I just find Sparks to be a very interesting metaphor for mental health. I mean, you've already touched on it so beautifully about it, it encompasses more than just trauma. It encompasses... Joy and and fear and and panic, but also intensity. Intensity. It is intensity. It's it's and like the thing is, is mental health isn't always going to be intense feelings of negativity. There are instances where there are intense feelings of positivity or intense yeah. feelings of of euphoria that can also be attributed to mental health as well. And I just find it to be really fascinating.
0: Yeah, the the whole concept, and this is where the the panel kind of came from, is just this idea that. There's so much that is encompassed with the spark as we know it so far. But this is what planeswalkers are. They are people traveling the multiverse and a lot of times they are on their own journey. I mean, this is what we really wanted to use as our example or our our framework for this is they are on a journey. That is what planeswalkers are are doing. And as we've seen through kind of the stories, we have somebody like Gideon the entire time. I mean, Gideon is such a good example for for lore. Uh, I mean, there's a reason we have done so many episodes on the show from him and we have talked about Gideon in the sense of trauma, like right? getting the people around him killed. Uh the irregulars that were basically with him when he was Kaikion. He 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 was responsible because of like his own I don't know, his own boastfulness, his, his own hubris. Well, his hubris. His hubris, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: He was like, I don't launch this spear at Argo's." Aragos was like, Yeah,
0: nah. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you? Who are you? Who are you with? Um, but okay. even from there, we see the Gideon. Gideon's story up until we find him is basically trying to make up for that the entire
3: time. Yeah, um, we've and talked sometimes about sometimes in very unhealthy ways. Yeah, yeah, he, pushing himself way too hard.
1: Yeah, he's kind of he kind of created this overfunctioning, like very protective, almost like codependency, where he's constantly putting himself in situations where he is essentially one man saving everyone. Yeah, which exactly. led to the formation of the Gatewatch. Yeah, and it right. was. Um, I wrote an article about uh, Gideon Stroma for Card Kingdom a few years back, and it. Oh, was... that might have been the basis of one of our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, where I, I really wanted to delve into just the um, sort of the uh, so the essence, the psychology of such an incredibly strong, physically like fit, very masculine-presenting character, and and kind of delving into that. PTSD that that kind of just informs so much of who he is and so much of um, one aspect of the spark as well that I uh, just wanted to touch on is the fact that it is so definitive to the characters that we see throughout the multiverse as they, because um, it is their reason it becomes their um, catharsis to beca- uh, start their journey so it, in many ways the relationship with their spark is like they're either fleeing from it they're trying to heal from it and in Gideon's case he just never i feel like had the opportunity to come to terms um with that decision to forgive himself for um, the choice that he made when he was younger
0: and we see it all the way through you know this was the first episode we ever had chase on was to talk about suicidal ideation with Mm -hmm. gideon because this is one of the clearer examples that we have in magic story where at least the concept of passive suicidal ideation so kind of we're getting into this mental health stuff this isn't necessarily that Gideon was making a plan Gideon wanted to die and kill himself but he also didn't necessarily at times care
2: no uh, Gideon put himself into situations where it's passive passive ideation is, is less active in the sense that you're not making an intent or a plan it's more you know if something happens then it happens it's kind of like letting Fate yeah. sort of decided in
0: a sense. And you may put yourself in like a risky situation or just more you don't care. Yeah. And we see that. And I think that, you know, I'm going to have to, oh man, I got to be a little mean to Bolas for a second. But Bolas, um, <laughs> Bolas, like, flat out calls him out about this. He When he sees him on Amenket and he faces him alone, he basically tells him, like, I don't think you would care if I killed you right now. And he is very direct about it. And. I think it's just one of the things that's yeah. been so well, strong about Gideon. And
3: for me, one of the, the s- most stark points of that moment, too, is after Bola said that, he's just like, yeah, you can leave if you want or you can, de- or I'll kill you. You get to yeah. choose. Yeah. And then Gideon had to make that choice and bear feel the consequences of that.
2: Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone like Karn
3: who... Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 too The <soon>.
2: saddest <laughs> of robots oh, <laughs> who fully puts himself into isolation, and we had that episode talked about you know depression and Karn yeah it was a very fascinating episode about you know guilt shame and and just isolation and just a
4: a lack there's someone who needs a therapist now more than ever oh yeah
1: Karn is also a wonderful example of generational trauma yes (laughs) yes we worked in Urza is the worst to the panel we got it they're, they're, sometimes I see Reddit threads where they're like, "Ah, oh, Urza was just so cool," and we're like, "Ah, oh, really though? Really?"
0: <laughs> he made Eugen- a being feel pain because it, people like well, he won't hurt because he feels pain. He was like,
1: yeah. "Hey, eugenics, let's do that."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. 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 for exians, really though, but it. Right. it but Karn, um, a, another wonderful character who just not only has to deal with the isolation and just the grief and the guilt of like what happened on Meriden, but also just. Understanding and utilizing the legacy of his dad, essentially. <laughs>
4: yeah. And his dad
3: who didn't even give him a name. Yeah. Yep. Someone nope. else named him. Yep. And importantly,
0: like shovelhead yep. was his name for a while because of Teferi. Because Teferi was kind of mean to him. Okay, uh. he was mean to him back in the day. I mean that was one of the moments of kind of the the March of the Machines that I was like to get this coming back together of yeah. Teferi. Teferi yeah. was a jerk, but he got better. He did. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like money being, being a dad yeah. kinda helped. It did. Yeah. yeah. It did.
1: Um, But yeah, there's just, um, just this, but the spark absolutely becomes this impetus, this locus of like, where all of these characters are founded Mm -hmm. upon. And I feel like when it comes to mental health, when we realize that moment, like when we start to reach out and we understand as individuals, hey, I need help. I need someone to figure out how to help me operate this person who is me. um, That becomes a really important, like focus and important,
0: um, flashpoint for us. So before we move on real quick to kind of the, the real world connection of this, uh, I do want to bring up like one more, which is Liliana, oh, yes. um, cause she harmed those that she loved with mistaken pride. I mean, and then, you yep. know, the whole, whole, whole the situation of her brother and she really had that, that trauma response, right? Like it is completely a trauma response. It is avoidance and it is fleeing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And and just the the horror of seeing what you've done, and then the um, following back coming back to Dominaria and having to kill Josu
0: again.
4: Yes, after just, running from it for three hundred years.
1: Yes, and he was still there. Um, yeah. So like, it hey, was, so is
4: Squee, and we didn't get to hear anything to, about to, that. To be fair,
1: oh. to be fair, yes, Dominaria <laughs> things live very long. <laughs> We're looking at you,
0: um, but.
1: It, or Unlong. Unlife? Unlong? I don't know, Josu. Um, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the, the experience of not... Basically killing her brother, who was like the only person in her life who truly supported her, despite all of like her actions as a kid, um, having to kill him twice, That is, and seeing the emotional fallout um, during Dominaria's story, that was really, really powerful. And a lot of ways, I felt like should have really united... Liliana and Gideon a lot more and if you want to see more of my Liliana and Gideon fanfic
0: <laughs> Where can we find that? AO3 <laughs> Don't we also have a fanfic of a somebody who writes Planeswalker Therapist? Yeah, I have
4: a friend who um, There's some of that on AO3 as well. Yeah,
0: so there there's like Planeswalker Therapy.
4: Yeah, go Need check more out. Of
0: it out So we're gonna move in a little bit to talking about this concept of a, I brought up mental health recovery so mental health recovery is kind of a movement that came out of the serious mental illness world. And so when I'm talking about that, I'm really talking about things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, the, the mental health diagnoses and symptoms that are oftentimes the ones that were so stigmatized. I mean, mental health in general is stigmatized. That's why we're here trying to talk about it. One thing that we're now, this is so goblin-like. It's mental health awareness month, y'all. That's why we're here too. Uh, it's May. This is mental health awareness.
4: It well, took 20 minutes to mention it. Good job, moms. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, this is better
0: that we at least introduced ourselves up front and didn't forget that. Like, yeah. that's better, I guess. That's better. Thank you. Um, but this, this concept of mental health recovery came out of a fighting against the medical model, especially when it came to things like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, which really was institutionalized. I mean, we, we have kind of this situation where we have people that were basically told, you will never work again you have this diagnosis, you don't have options, you will need to be on disability, you will need to be on medications, you likely will be hospitalized at points in your life. And that is what was told. The recovery model was born out of that. It is something that is general for mental health. What it is, is the idea that recovery is possible. You'll see a lot of parallel here with the substance use disorder world where there is that concept of recovery one day at a time, that it's a journey, it's not a destination. To me, we do a lot in my groups with recovery where we actually start off the group with everybody coming up with what their own personal definition is of recovery. That's the concept. It's, it's not a linear point A to point B. That's what you do. It is oftentimes very messy. If I had a whiteboard behind me, as I tend to do, I will be drawing all over the place and drawing these lines that are just completely squiggly because that is what mental health recovery is. It is, not, it is a process. It is a journey. It literally is. That is what I kind of teach with it. And there are some concepts that to, to go with that. And I'll chase, you want to jump in with some of those?
2: Yes. So um, there's a handful of concepts that come into with the recovery model. Um, kind of going down the list, sort of being um, the concept of hope, uh, person driven, there being many pathways, uh, a holistic aspect to it, peer support, relational issues of culture, um, uh, and reducing trauma, as well as uh, highlighting strengths and responsibilities. And respect. And respect.
0: Yeah. So like, these are the main concepts that are really meant to go into care that people are receiving with mental health. And we're all on our own journey. And that, this is where I really love the work that I do as a therapist I still have those nice, great boundaries. I am very good about that. But I I am not the type of person that's not going to self-disclose the fact that, like, my sleep sucks. It has since I was, like, in high school. Um, I'm not going to talk about the fact that, like, I don't get under stress. And I may share some of this about myself because that is what this is about. You know, you mentioned hope. The whole concept of this to me comes back to hope. It is that idea that recovery is possible. It's something that we don't instill enough of in people. And I think even in traditional therapy, it is... For a lot of people, traditional therapy, if people, you know, everybody's experiences are different. But the old model is basically you address symptoms. Mm-hmm. You come in, you say you're depressed, and then you like you address that. You hear voices, we address that. You say you have trauma, we address that. But it's symptom focused.
2: Well, and a lot of people too go in with the expectation of what society thinks therapy is as like we're gonna I'm gonna get fixed. You know, this is going to be I'm gonna get cured. It's gonna be done. It's gonna be over. And that might not necessarily. Happen, and that's why it's it's cyclical. It's it's not exactly like a point A to point B sort of thing. And I think that the language within that too is also very problematic. When you say I want to go get like you know treated, I don't want to get fixed. I want to like heal. That implies that you are broken or unhealthy, um, which is not the case. It's just your path is is very different than other people's paths.
0: Yeah, and I think about right like this model really emphasizes if somebody comes in and say they don't want to be more they don't want to be depressed I want to be less depressed Mm -hmm. my whole thing to start off and say was like no I don't want to get into this language of less of something what are you doing instead Mm -hmm. like I want to know exactly what that is so if you weren't depressed or if you didn't have that what does that life look like it really is a purpose and meaning driven what are you doing instead if I'm gonna make goals and set goals with you it's things I want you doing not things you're not doing yes
2: when when working with clients a lot of the time I would say what do you want to achieve you know, uh, as kind of a good way to, like, make it, you know, kind of a goal for that. And often it's good. I want to be less depressed or I want to like myself more. And, you know, those aren't very measurable. How can you measure that? What does that look like for you? So going into that being like, you know, what is something that you want to do that you feel like you might not be able to do currently? Like, I want to be able to go to the mall or go to a movie or go to a party or something.
1: Yeah, as someone who has been treated through the recovery model um, due to my past trauma um, because of childhood abuse, I ended up having this conversation, exact conversation with my therapist, and one of the first things I said was, I would love not to flinch every time I spill a cup of water. Um, And that was, and I've gotten finally, decades later, I have now finally gotten to the point where if I spill a glass of water or a drink, it's fine. It's fine. We can just clean that up and it's okay. And I don't necessarily uh, feel my heart start racing and my worry that someone is going to yell at me. I can now start to focus on, hey, it's okay. Let's see the problem for what it is and
3: we can clean that.
1: This is fixable. And it's those incremental steps that dictate the progress that I'm making. It's not, I mean, I'm probably going to have to deal with aspects of this experience for the rest of my life. But making those small little steps forward is so worth it. It's um, I, don't know, I identify very much as a blue mage, so, <laughs>
0: hi. So, hi. So, hi. If anybody needs to leave.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle. I identify as blue mage. <laughs> um, uh, but the idea of like, perfection is is nice, but I also understand rationally I'm never going to achieve it. However, knowing that there is a future Envisioning a future in which I can maybe get close to that ideal is is still worth that journey and is still worth that effort. Um, so that's kind of how I like to integrate color pie into like sort of my philosophy towards therapy. Um, just from the blue perspective i'm sure we can have a great conversation about the other colors we could be
0: i mean we, we, let's be honest this, this panel being an hour kind of sucks because we could yeah we just robots. keep going yeah like i can say
4: red mage approach is it's hard to visualize where i'm going to be in five minutes better yet where i'm going to you know try <laughs> to get in two months after therapy so but setting again, objective yeah. goals isn't yeah, the easiest, but,
0: but yeah. that red mage approach really has that kind of in-the-moment mindfulness mm-hmm. type base where you're yeah. trying to live in this moment yeah. mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I Also really appreciate using the word uh, journey when talking about mental health uh, The concept of it being a narrative is also very I, I think very important when talking about any mental health journey be it your own or just a regular one, because I feel like a lot of times uh, when we're talking about mental health and especially from a clinician's point of view, it's taken a lot of time to change the language uh, from being very like medical, you know, medical. like, <laughs> I mean, this
0: <laughs> is the, the, even moving from schizophrenic um, to person with, schizophrenia. person with schizophrenia or what do communities identify with? Because there's a reclaiming. And that's why I work with people individually to ask, like mm-hmm. autistic is oftentimes more preferred at this point. Yes. And it's knowing what communities want. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I you were going to jump. Oh, I
4: was just going to say yes. Uh, autistic strongly prefer autistic yeah. rather than person with autism.
0: Right, and and it's and it is very different and personal, but have the, that's why it's, we got to have those conversations, right? Yeah. Um, before we move on, because we want to get to like the our journeys, um, I want to just hit two last things, which is respect. We really think of this as being the therapist patient, therapist practitioner, or the client relationship is a relationship. We are not in charge to to walk alongside, and this is what I tell people flat out. Not every therapist is gonna be a good fit for you, and you have a right to ask the questions that you need to ask at the beginning of your therapy to make sure that that fit is there. But I also acknowledge that the mental health system in the US sucks. So even getting into a therapist is such a challenge. You know, when, when I, I do a mental health MTG discussion on a regular basis, usually Tuesdays, because I have a day where I'm working from home, and one of the things that we always talk about is access is the number one issue, yeah. and I and I recognize that. It is also recognizing though that, that you you need to have a therapist that you do connect with.
1: Yeah,
2: and it's, I, I it might sound a little bit weird, but I promise you, I
0: any good therapist would not be upset if you went. this
2: Isn't a good fit for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go through it. It's not good.
2: No, I mean currently I have a therapist right now where I'm like I don't know I'm vibing with this that much. I'm seeing another therapist. Good. Who good. I are? Yeah. Oh, like, we're, we're testing the waters, so <laughs> but um, fingers crossed. But um, it's it's good to shop around and and um, because you know not one therapist size fits all. There's so many different modalities under the sun that could work for so many other people.
0: Under the five suns.
2: Under yeah. the five suns. Under <laughs> yes, sorry. But it might not help
0: with the recent change in sparks, we're just gonna hit it real quick as we're we're we're, trending, we're transitioning because we don't know what's gonna be happening at this point with that, is that idea that there is something though that like sparks, maybe trauma doesn't stay with us forever. This could be, you know, this thing of thinking of you know, maybe with Teferi, this is like a big change for him. But also thinking of the idea that without their sparks, the planeswalkers that we've seen afterwards are still incredibly powerful. We don't know what it means. So we're we're acknowledging that we hit this panel at like the most awkward time, which is perfect which for us. We released physician. a social anxiety episode a week into the pandemic. We're yeah. really good at timing. Yeah, exactly. Just like have us talk about something and we're going to yeah. probably crush the world in a not great way. Yeah. So we're going to talk about our recovery journeys. We want to talk about how we sparked. give everybody on the panel a chance to kind of share a little bit of what our journeys are. Uh, we we realize we don't have time for a QA. and a If we're going to be... They, they want us to go in over and talk to some, to some people for a couple of minutes after this. But I will be around. I know some of us will be around. If people want to talk, have questions, want to do anything, please find me. Please. I am giving you like that me out there. Um, I won't speak for everybody, obviously, on the panel. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about how we sparked. Um, Michelle, I know you already have started to talk a little bit about yours. Yeah,
1: um, if you want to
0: kind of continue your journey, and then we'll go to Alex.
1: Yeah, sure. Cool. We can do that. Um, <laughs> so um, I grew up as the child of immigrants, um, Vietnamese immigrants who came in 1975, and as you can imagine, fleeing from a war, that kind of does a lot to you. Um, and so already being a part of that generational trauma and then having that manifested into abuse was, um, as a result, not great for a kid, uh, me. And so it was decades before I could figure out what was okay like why and and I think this sort of happened to me in high school where I realized oh once I get into my school I become a confident assured human being who enjoys learning loves to talk with her friends loves to be um loves to read and loves to debate and when I go home I become someone completely different I become afraid and terrified and anxious at all times um and it was understanding this duality that made me realize I need to choose. I need to choose who I want to be at this point because life cannot continue in this binary. And so making that mental step in choosing to be that confident person and starting to push back on my parents, starting to integrate that into my home, um, was really tough, especially as a teenager. I didn't actually end up seeking therapy until I was in college um, and I just happened to walk into, um, I I was getting paid for it because, you know, grad students, they need that. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, yeah, I'm a poor student. I'll get money for talking about myself for sure. (laughs) And at the time I ended up chatting about how much I felt like so disempowered and so weak for everything I've done in my life. And the student who I was talking to looked at me, With this expression of complete astonishment and told me, I don't think that's true at all. I think you're incredibly strong. And no one had ever said that to me before. So I walked away from that experience with, again, another understanding of, I can, this is a thing I have. And eventually when I began actual therapy, I was able to afford it through my work once I left school. Um, It just the resources that came to mind and came to hand, my ability to be able to verbalize and express not only what I was feeling, but the what was happening to me, creating and finding language to describe those circumstances helped establish um, just context, helped in, in an important way, helped me to find control over um, my circumstances and to use that information to improve myself and my relationship with my parents. Um, so that is an ongoing journey, as I mentioned before. It's never going to go away, the feelings of, you know, a little, a little flutter of fear, a little bit of anxiety here or there. Um, but I'm very lucky that I have built an incredible support group. I have um, peers who understand my journey, who understand my challenges. And in a weird way, I also have my parents who fully understand now why their behavior was not okay and are now on their own journeys to figure out who they are and what they've done and to come to terms with, the, what, who, with what everything that they are in their entirety. So it is what that's sort of this interesting cascading effect of being um, going on your mental journey because... You just never know how it might affect others, even people who you've never had a really great relationship with. But suddenly, maybe they can become better people too, and that's that's a wonderful part of this whole process, that hope.
0: Michelle, before we move on, I just want to highlight that the, the concept of choice is such an important one. Uh, I actually use it a, a ton with talking about this idea of choice points, that every time we have a decision to make, we, are, we have a choice to make towards moving towards our values or away from our values. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I think it's powerful to know that you have a choice. Even if you end up having to choose or you choose to move away from your value, it doesn't mean you never can or it doesn't mean you can't go back towards your value. It's just a recognition that even you might have competing values. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing for people to think about when you have a value system. You may have values that come into conflict, so you're having to make choice. To me, it's very powerful to think that you have choice. Um, so I just really want to highlight that.
5: Thank
1: you. Yeah, no, it was a definite weird, like reckoning at 16. Like I don't <laughs> like who I am at home. I like who I am here. I want to be this person all the time. I'm going to fight for myself now. And that was incredibly, um, life-changing just, and, and like muddling through not understanding how to do any of it without any knowledge, just pushing back. Um, that was monumental. And in many ways, it's one of the reasons why I love magic stories so much. And I love reading and fantasy and genre fiction. Just these characters who echo a lot of my own struggles and my own experiences. And seeing them thrive allows me to envision a world. Again, Gumi, envision a world, a perfect image that I can strive towards at all times.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, For myself, my my mental health journey, I've talked about uh, this some, but like I I actually talk about this a lot. So I have social anxiety. (laughs) It's an important one. one. It comes up, yes. So I I have social anxiety. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until my late 20s, so I spent a lot of years in high school, my couple years in college, and early working life with this narrowing of my life that I didn't really understand was happening until I woke up one day and had a panic attack, thought I couldn't breathe, so I went to the hospital. I was fine physically. There was there was nothing wrong, but that was the day I made an appointment to see a therapist, and that started me on this journey to working through that, getting the diagnosis, and understanding what it was. And for me, having that that label, and I know this isn't always for everybody, but for me, having that specific label was helpful to know what it is that I was working on, to know what it is that was. Yeah, the, the, for, for diagnoses can be powerful for
0: people. Yeah. Like first, I mean, they're, they're, like the, the DSM five sucks. Once again, we'll just acknowledge DSM is not the best. It, yeah. But but the idea that there is a commonality, even that other people have experienced this, that yeah. like there can be a lot of power in getting that.
3: Yeah, and and especially different mental health conditions. I know for myself, it, it was fairly isolating because it felt weird that it, it, I learned a little bit before the diagnosis that it was strange not everybody would feel sick to their stomach if a random person walked up to them at a bus stop and started to try to have a conversation before the bus showed up. And that's what was happening to me. It it was hard for me to talk to people outside of very specific circumstances. I go to work, I'm fine, because I know how to handle that situation. I go to a store or a restaurant, that's fine. I know how to handle those situations. But anything that wasn't sort of prescribed, I I would start to feel sick, I would start to panic. I didn't know how to deal with that. So this... Here we are today. Yeah, and, and now here we are today. Like... Honestly, I, I joke that in, in a lot of ways, Magic helped me learn how to talk to people, but it's, it's true. I after Shortly after I, I started going to therapy was when the Return to Ravnica block came out. I loved Ravnica the first time around, but I had quit Magic, decided to come back for Ravnica, and I started playing. And I realized, like six months into this being helpful for me, that it was helpful because it gave me specific prescribed interactions with people that also had the option to, hey, I'm feeling good tonight, I'm having fun playing with you know, this opponent. We're done with the round, let's just sit and chat. But if I wasn't feeling, I was, you know, a little anxious, whatever, I could stand up and walk away and no one would care. It was fine. And so that was a big thing for me. And um, now being here today um, for, for years, uh, convention sounded like the coolest thing that I could possibly imagine. And I knew I couldn't go to them. I just, I didn't, again, this is well before the diagnosis, I just knew that was something I couldn't do. And now I'm on a panel with. Some great friends who have been recording a podcast with for years.
0: And I will say in the continued irony that there is a local con called
3: force no, uh Convergence. Convergence that we, tried to do a panel for. That
0: we was doing a theme of yeah. legendary. Yes. was the theme for their con. It's just a general con. And we had proposed a panel on the concept of legends. Yes. And then the
3: pandemic hit again. Yes.
0: we, so, we were we this, were
3: going to do that in twenty twenty. Yeah. July of twenty twenty. So many things. is. <laughs> We're here now. But yeah, yeah that's the, the the continuing journey, and kind of like you say some things stick around. I'll, I'll be honest. This morning, I was pretty anxious before the panel. There was some. <laughs> my stomach was a little, a little, you know, some butterflies or whatever. But I, here, and it's it's great, and I'm glad to be here.
4: Yeah. You're gonna skip yourself. Uh, I am gonna
3: leave my I, Yeah, I feel like i talk too
4: much. <laughs> As general, but. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I could go on probably for a full hour covering all of my issues, Um, but I I really um, start from childhood as an undiagnosed autistic, uh, you know, constant bullying, dealing with a pretty dysfunctional family. Uh, Started therapy when I was about 12, Um, not very useful therapy I'd say then because it was definitely focused on the, you know, fixing your issue problem and not any kind of recovery is like oh you know you're just not doing good in school and you need to apply yourself and you're a gifted student and you're not doing what you should be doing and <laughs> all that um, wonderful uh, stuff which just kind of added to all the other problems um, so struggled through school a lot um, struggled with friends all that sort of thing and uh, kind of got into college, which helped, because then I was doing something that I enjoyed doing, uh, which helps with the autism, because doing things you enjoy doing is a lot easier than that. And also, that's when I got into playing magic more seriously in college, and um, took a really long break, uh, but kind of went through my whole life. Uh, also, you know, not you know another thing, being young, and when I grew up, not really. Realizing what being trans was, other than being a joke, uh, in the 90s, especially, uh, it was basically just played as being either a joke or some awful thing, and uh, so carried that with me too. And knowing that I was some kind of queer, but not having any idea what, uh, so did the whole, you know, cis hat straight thing for 20 years, kind of burying, you know, my own identity. And got through that, but always carried uh, suicidal ideation. You know, dealt with that. Uh, Eventually, was diagnosed bipolar. um, You know, made a lot of bad decisions when I go through manic um, episodes. That wasn't treated, uh, which. You know, it took a while and they got a mostly bad financial decision because they'd go on spending sprees by a lot of magic stuff, especially. Um, which some of those have paid off. Like, you know. <laughs> This is the wrong message, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, we're gonna cut that, okay? It's Oh, it is right. Yeah.
4: yeah. Hey, no. Oh no! <laughs> That cut, yeah it to... turns out buying uh buying sets of of saga for 300 a piece was a good deal it was great <laughs> yeah but as you said <laughs> at the time, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford it though yeah when i bought it um so it was a, it was a bad decision at the time uh, but uh yeah so kind of got here um really started going through therapy more found a, a much better therapist um what i really have to think though is kind of like the magic twitter community and meeting trans people through there and Kind of working through my identity, finding a you know, a good therapist who was familiar with um, the queer community and those concepts and working through my identity issues, uh, having, you know, there there's not a whole lot of support for autistic things, but you know, I got a official diagnosis after my son was diagnosed. Uh, and then just, you know, you said labels are important and being able to understand your thought process and being able to compensate for that, even if you're not getting official accommodations, but you know, for a while I was getting official accommodations at work, where I was able to even before the pandemic work from home a couple of days a week because I didn't deal well with open office space. So um, you know, taking in those kind of you know taking advantage of those options where they were to help um, deal with my issues. Uh, you know, help offset some of those problems. And, kind of you know, getting to the point of talking about how it's worked, and I, I would say, you know, turning around those issues and, like, dealing with, you know, learning what gender euphoria felt like for the first time. And it, it's kind of, it's in a really hard spot right now because just being trans in America at this point is kind of a constant state of trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, your everyday wake up, it's, there's something negative in the news, you know, things are, you're being attacked by people, you have an entire political party dedicated to eliminating your existence. It's, you know, rough to be, you know, just who you are. And that's the constant drag on your mental health on top of everything else. So just getting through the day, on top of dealing with being autistic, being bipolar, you know, and like you said earlier, Hobbs is at some point, you know, in the past, you know, having those conditions would have just meant you would be institutionalized or not have a career or anything, but yeah. Or know, shunned, you know, family, would
0: just you would be kept off the side. Yeah. yeah. Um,
4: but still managing to maintain a career and support a family and, you know, keep all that going, uh, have friends, be part of the magic community, uh, you know, I think I <laughs> I'm able to do that because of, you know, practicing these mental health um, practices and uh, sadly, I lost. I had a really great therapist. I lost them because our insurance system sucks. And when I changed jobs, uh, I lost insurance coverage for that therapist. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm between therapists right now. But uh, yeah, our, our system sucks. As uh, is, is already mentioned. Yeah. So that, that's it for me. Friend Chase. Yes. Hi. Oh, hi.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
2: uh, my mental health journey is currently ongoing. I. Uh, dabbled with therapy i sound like it's a hobby i dabbled oh. with therapy in college and that didn't really work out with me because my therapist wasn't a good fit she kind of did the whole well it sounds like your issues with your roommate do they connect back with your relationship with your father oh my god i was like no <laughs> <laughs> next question
3: and I, don't, and I don't see them anymore
2: um for a while, uh, mental health was a kind of a mystical thing for me. Uh, when I uh, went into in, the field to study and to eventually practice, I um, kind of had this adopted sort of mentality of, you know, do as I say, you know, not as I do thing. I, I felt for some reason that I was the only person exempt from yeah, of uh, the rules that mm. I was, <laughs> you know, learning and, and, and the things that I was practicing. Um, and it was a kind of an interesting thing for me because it all started sort of, I mean, that sounds so, you know, cliche, it started in childhood.
1: <laughs>
2: but there was a lot of issues with my family where there was this concept of perfection that unfortunately has extended into, you know, my adult life, especially with my current job and, and how everything feels and the pressure to, you know, be be good at what I do, um, be good at everything, be good at school. Anything less than, a, anything less than an A was technically an F. So it's a bit of a, a rough childhood when you would, I would visit, you know, my friend's homes, I would see like a loving, relaxed home environment. And I was like, that's what this is like. And it was kind of eye opening for me. Um, but even though throughout adulthood, I still would kind of find myself to be exempt from these sort of things. And, uh, eventually I, the job was very fulfilling, but it also took a major toll, you know, on, on me mentally, you know, You have to have a toolkit. You have to kind of leave everything at the door when you go in and then pick it back up on your way out. But that can be very challenging. You're still a human.
0: Yes, especially when you
2: haven't tackled your own stuff. And your own stuff gets brought up in session. And how do you handle that? (laughs) And it can be very rough. And so when I started making content full-time, it was like a dream. But then it also became kind of a nightmare because I had this continuous... uh, Line of perfection, you have to be the best at what you do, and you have to not be better than anybody else, but you have to be the best version of you that you can be, and even then, it's still not good enough.
0: You always have to be on every stream, has to be yes, yes. high energy. Yeah. Um, the, the initial idea I've seen, you know, like not canceling a stream, yeah, right, oh, even I, though I feel so
2: bad, yeah, that. I'm like, wow, and you <laughs> I'm need to, sure. right. Yeah, and then sometimes I need those nights. Sometimes I need nights to edit a video or, or you know, uh, take a break. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually I started seeing a therapist. And for me, that journey was uh, unfortunately talking to friends and my friends being like, I think you need a therapist. And, like, uh, those moments hurt, but they're not meant to be hurtful. They're meant to try and help you. And so that was when I finally was like, okay, I should probably start seeing a therapist and so my journey with mental health is currently ongoing i'm currently trying to work through my anxiety i'm currently trying to work through my depression and it's it's a very difficult process Hobbs is all too familiar with that (laughs) Um, but even then i've been struggling with that you know with 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 that work-life separation with that perceived perfection and comparison to others catastrophizing future thinking making up things that haven't happened in the future, but I still end up worrying about them even though They're not real yet (laughs) or they might not be real ever Um, And so with my current journey now I am uh, in the process of possibly seeing a new therapist which is very exciting for me because I kind of did the uh, the no-no thing where I picked up a therapist and I went, okay, this is it. I saw one therapist and this is the therapist I'm keeping and I didn't shop around. Even though I would tell people to shop around. (laughs) And so currently I am in the process of trying to find a therapist that fits my needs. You know, getting that higher level of care that, not that I need, but the higher level of care that I know that I deserve, Um, you know, which, you know, you want to make sure that you find like the best, like, you know, dermatologist or like, you know, the best, like, OBG, you know, you want to find like the best therapist for you. And so that's what I'm currently working towards right now.
0: Uh, the best OBGYN is my wife. So hey, guys, <laughs> I'll just shout her out here in the panel because she's not here today, but you know, I will say honestly, too, sorry, but she will take questions if anybody ever needs them. I swear to God, she is, she loves magic and loves the magic community and is straight up just had conversations with people to help. So she's great on the panel too. she is great on a panel too. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no okay. I you I <laughs> But
2: that's kind of what my journey is, uh, as a standpoint, is that you know everybody here on this panel is in different stages of their journey. They might be closer to the end. They might be at the beginning. They might be at the middle, and and that's normal. There's no age cap on on understanding your your inner world, your mental health. I think that's really important for us to kind of emphasize here, since we're getting towards the end, is that there it's going to be a constant journey throughout your life. You know, whether you seek out therapy, whether you are you know, searching for a diagnosis or simply you're just researching just because you're interested. It's a never ending journey, it's, it's cyclical, and I think that's something that we should kind of
0: emphasize. Yeah, the journey aspect to me, it's a pathway that we're on. I mean, that's why the planeswalker experience makes so much sense to me. Yeah. I oftentimes think of things as being on a pathway. I'm a very big nature person, if anybody's by like what I do for photography and what I enjoy, it's nature. So the concept of a pathway or a trail that I am, am on has always been like my go-to. Um, I, we have a couple minutes, I will still get to share some. So my mental health journey is actually, uh, I am 43, my mental health journey is a p- over 25-year journey of actually having a diagnosis and being well aware of what's been going on with me. How I found out, though, was completely, you just said childhood, right? Like, uh, I get good grades, I go to school, the gifted label, I went to school, I didn't have to put in a ton of energy or effort, and I did well. You know, people commented on it, and what they didn't realize is, like, that was depression. Like, yeah, sure, but I wasn't applying myself or doing anything. I was getting there, but I didn't know that. Uh, I was a big runner in high school. I ended up seeing a doctor because I was running inconsistently. I would have a good run, I'd have a bad run, I was tired, I wasn't sleeping. My brain at you know, 17, 18 years of age was, I must have an iron deficiency, some sort of vitamin is bad. The doctor gave me a, what I later found out to be a depression inventory. And I'm like filling this thing out and it's asking me all these questions. And he comes back and he goes, yeah, we need to have a conversation. Um, <laughs> and it, it turned out that you know, I, I scored very highly on measures of depression at 17 years of age. I was seen as the outgoing person, um, even having conversations about this with people, because I've always been an open person. I started antidepressants at 17 or 18 years of age. Um, I told friends about it, and it was the Hust Whispers. I mean, we're talking like the late 90s, and it was, oh my gosh, you have to be on medications. Like, there was a backing away over depression. Um, and I mean, I think of that as just, I, mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a cynical person. Depression is a normal state of being, uh, and it has been. For for twenty five years, it's I've always been on my journey. I am the worst therapy patient in the world. Um, I even before I became a therapist, I'm just not great at it. And it, it part of it is I didn't know the to shop. I, I saw a therapist that was really this concept of like what is called a Rogerian. They repeat back to you. It's a very reflective. I like the concept, but the person was really <laughs> bad at it. And so all I did was like try to make him say ridiculous stuff. So I would, I would just be like. It was like in college, and like you know, just everything is fucked up and shitty. And you'd be like, "How is it fucked up and shitty?" I'm and just like <laughs> internally, I'm laughing. Like I didn't even want to use the language. Like I'm just like, "Come on, dude! Like give me something." Um, but but I, you know, I've been I talk. I did an episode, I think a solo one of how I sparked, and I did an, a, a profile with Andy Zupke about myself. And I actually my sparking moment was grad school. So uh, I was depressed throughout grad school. Um, I was anxious throughout grad school. I, I I took a year off and I almost quit, uh, and there was the expectation that I wasn't coming back from my program. I literally was told this, and my sparking moment was the head of my program literally saying, I do not think you will ever get a PhD or a degree from our university. Uh, so I was told this because I had fallen behind in my research work. I'd fallen behind on charts that needed to be done. I had fallen behind because I was depressed and I was anxious, and I... I, I they talk about fight or flight. We talk about that with our planeswalkers. I'm the pun that would never spark or move because I freeze. I am just a shutdown person. And that's what was happening during grad school. And it's amazing to me because like, I- I'm not at a point in my life where like that's, I can, I can laugh about this because I'm-, I'm now 10 years of having a career as a licensed psychologist working at a strong program. And I get to do what I love. Uh, I get to do you know we're, we're we we piloted a dnd therapy group that's going on at the va here in minneapolis that i'm stepping away from because i'm trying to find other ways to get to be innovative and the va lets me do that nobody asks me about my degree nobody asks me about this stuff but yet my brain still thinks back to that person telling me you will never get a degree from our program um and i think about my field that we don't talk about mental health i have practitioners that like hey i hope you're all listening to this because i'm going to be showing it i share it, said i would share it like, we don't talk about the fact that we have diagnosis. And I know for a fact that my coworkers workers do. Um, I mean, like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. But, you know, but, like, it is stigmatized. If I take a day off for mental health because I am having a panic attack or near it, I can't say it. Because what is a coworker going to think? I can't do my job. And this is people who want to literally try to focus from this recovery perspective. And I see how it cannot work. Um, I could go on for hours. We all could. I mean, I think that's it we we want to kind of wrap up with the fact that like we want to have these conversations the whole point of this panel was to have these conversations Mm -hmm. try to destigmatize talking about mental health um try to destigmatize the concept of getting help or asking for it or even recognizing that you need it and that we're all on our own journey and it's it's messy it it is not an end point our planeswalkers are not going through clean journeys they are we 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 don't. I mean, we don't know. they they uh, yeah. Like it, at this point, we don't know. We,
5: but
3: we, we're, yeah, we know sorry. they're going on something. There's something going on. Yeah. But I mean, if
1: Liliana started from a old Walker to Warlock to <laughs> Bolas general person to now Goth Mary Poppins, I mean, I figure. <laughs> I figure we've all got some hope. Yeah, <laughs> like to <laughs> make it.
0: And if there's anybody in this room that wants to be on a uh, episode talking about Liliana, um, I guess we could have Hi. you. Sorry, it'll be soon enough. We we will schedule with you because we've been talking. (laughs) I have to say that because Lily is actually one that we haven't hit yet. That it's kind of a crime that we haven't. It will happen. Um, If we want to go through, I would love for everybody just do a quick shout out of who they are as we're wrapping up. Like I said, we didn't have enough time. Um, We we were never going to have enough time. Chase? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Hi>.
2: <laughs> um, uh, if y'all don't know me, my name is Chase uh, You can find me on the internet as Curves. I, I do a lot of uh, content creation I, I also write articles for Star Games I have a podcast, but who doesn't nowadays? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can just, just type that in and you'll find me
4: I'm okay. uh, Taya, um, Taya Transcend And uh, you'll mostly find me either posting about magic or um, complaining
3: about um, right wing um, tip shows. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Alex Newman, I'm I'm on the Goblin Lore podcast and uh, on Twitter at uh, Mel underscore Um
1: I'm Michelle Rapp. You can find me on Twitter at Kilnfeen Potter for as long as that hell site is up. Um, you won't, and like I said, you can find me on Instagram at Kilnfeen Pottery. And if you want to hang out for like uh, another half hour, we have a really fantastic panel on yes. Gav- uh diversity in our gathering on the community, which I will be moderating. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just to, just letting you know, it's there. You don't have to move.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's here. <laughs> just stay here. And and I'm Hobbs Q. i am hobbs I can be found on Twitter at Hobbs Q. Um, and everywhere on the internet since 1998, I have had that handle. So if somebody else is seen it, let me know because I don't like imposters. (laughs) Unless it's me, which is the imposter syndrome. Um, But Uh, we want to thank you all for being here. God Lord Pod loves to just have these conversations and we are so thankful that we were given this opportunity to talk to you all today. So thanks.
5: that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ, Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlordpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Ruffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Porthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, goblins like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.